Can you put the PowerPoint on there for me, David? I don't know whether you ever watched The X Factor. Um, I only tend to watch the audition rounds uh, because I just can't get over the number of people who um, are so deluded. They really think they can sing. And, and they put some of these folk through uh, to the TV rounds. And even though these people have watched the show for years and years and years, they think that they're on the TV because they're the good singers. And they don't realize that they're up there because they have no ability uh, at all. And they're just supposed to laugh at them. But they do it willingly, so we, it's fine. I don't mind laughing at them. But I don't know whether you feel that about your own Christian life. Whether you're one of those contestants You've got no real true ability or, or potential to live the Christian life. You come along on a Sunday, you think that everybody else is sort of looking the part, but for you, you're just really wondering, actually, I don't have the ability to do this or live this. Maybe it's because you keep losing your cool with your young children. They seem to bring the worst out of you. Maybe every attempt to start good habits just ends in complete failure. Maybe you're struggling to forgive that person who keeps slighting you. Maybe you keep responding in a prickly and hypersensitive way. And you know it's pushing people away, but you, you keep doing it. And you think, well, how, how can I change? Maybe I can never change. Just feel like a rubbish Christian. And you've almost given up hope. Well, what does God have to say? I want you to open your Bibles and we'll look at one verse today. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And you'll find this on page 1169 in the Church Bibles. Page 1169. 1169 should take you to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me just keep your Bible open uh, Angie mentioned that how people change course and uh, Paul Tripp who's coming at the end of January for the marriage conference he co-wrote that with a guy called Tim Lane. And uh, I was doing the study with some men earlier this year. And the, this verse just jumped out at me. And so that's why I want to share with you uh, this very verse this morning. The context is Paul is responding to an objection to his gospel of grace. And some people are sort of saying, well, if you follow this line that you're saved by grace, Paul, it's going to promote sin. His answer, verse 17, if you look at the end of that, he basically says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. This gospel of salvation by grace will not promote sin at all. Absolutely not. And the reason it won't, because you need to understand that when you become a Christian, there is a radical change that happens in you. Now, I don't know whether you were here um, 
about four weeks ago. But after church, there was an Australian couple called Bill and Tess. Did you get a chance to meet them? Uh, it's always worth staying around after church and talking to strangers. You just have the most amazing conversations. I really commend it to you. It was such a joy. In fact, Tim, Tim invited me to come over and meet Bill. Now, Bill was actually uh, born in Scotland and uh, spent his early years here, but then his family went to Australia uh, where he grew up, met Tess, got married. He uh, became a successful businessman. But inside, he just realized he just felt so dirty. He, he just felt really unclean, and he was feeling absolutely miserable. And what came to him uh, in the pit of his despair was a song that he learned at a mission hall Sunday school. He recalled the words, Jesus loves me, this I know. Now, this is a great encouragement to people involved with Sunday school and teaching children to sing good songs. Because in adult life, he recalled those words and the Lord came in right there and then and, and, and he said, Lord, I, I'm so messed up. Please, you love me. Would you forgive me? Could you come into my life? And that's exactly what happened at that point. And the change was so dramatic that what he did was that he put a death notice in the local newspaper. Bill had died. And it caused quite a stir in his community in Byron Bay because he was quite well known as the death notice went in. And when they saw him alive, they said, well, what's going on, Bill? He said, well, did you not read on into the birth section? Because he'd also put in the birth section, new birth, Bill, and the date of his conversion. Now, most of us don't have the wit to think of doing that, but he did it. But the reality is, that happens to every single individual who puts their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are changed forever. And that's the thing that Paul is talking about here in Galatians 2.20. So have a look at that verse. I want to ask you three simple questions just to get at this verse. Question number one, who was crucified? Have a look at the verse. Who was crucified? Who? Christ was crucified, absolutely. Who else was crucified? I. Do you see that? I. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. This is the radical change that happens when you come and put your faith in the Lord Jesus. When Christ was crucified, Paul was crucified. When Jesus died physically, then Paul and all those who put their trust in him died Spiritually, the I no longer lives. Now, what is the I that's there? Well, Paul talks about himself earlier in chapter 1. Have a look back at chapter 1, verse 14. Outwardly, this is how he was looking. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Here was an impressive young man. 
a man who, who zealously followed all of Jewish practices, a one who studiously sought to obey all God's laws. And yet, when Paul looks back at his life, he says these two things about himself, that he was, in fact, uh, somebody who was enslaved to sin, and even in his pursuing of his religious faith, it showed up itself in the sin of violently opposing all those who put their faith in Christ. He became a slave to sin, and he was in fact condemned by God's law. All his attempts at keeping God's law, basically as he looks back on his life, he said, you know what, I was condemned by God's law. Because as he came to see the risen Lord Jesus Christ, glorified at God's right hand, that moment on Damascus Road, it just really struck him. For all his observance of Judaism, for all his religiousness, for all his upright moral behavior, he had completely missed it. He had rejected the promised Christ. And all his moral attainments were nothing. They were useless. Christ had to die upon the cross. All his law-keeping, sort of uh, rule-keeping, his self-justifying, I was crucified with Christ. He came to see, if you, if you turn over to chapter 4, verse 4, he came to see this. 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Jesus had to come. And he perfectly did obey the law. And yet he went to die on the cross to bear the curse of the law for us. Look back at chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. That's what Paul came to realize. That Jesus Christ had to come. He had to fulfill the law that we could never fulfill. He had to willingly die and bear the curse of the law that we deserve in our place. And when Paul saw that, the eye that was always seeking to justify himself through his law keeping, the eye that was in fact just totally enslaved to sin and condemned by the law, that eye was crucified with Christ. And you see, that is the basis of our hope. We are not the same. The person that we were before we trusted Christ, we are not that person. That person was crucified with Christ. But the verse says more than that, doesn't it? Look back at chapter 2, verse 20. Who now lives? This is a shocker, a stunner when you see it. Who now lives? Our older saint's already got it. He's married it to me. Who now lives? Christ lives in me. Do you see what he's saying? It's not just that he's saying, okay, there was an old Paul, and he's died, and now there's a brand new Paul. 
The old Paul couldn't deal with sin, but the new Paul, now he can, he can, he, he's, very, he's, he's much better at dealing with sin. He's not saying that. He's saying something so much more hopeful and better than that. He's saying, it's not Paul that lives, it's now Christ that lives in me. Now this is so encouraging. See, where sin once dominated uh, our lives, now Christ dwells. This is so wonderful. He who is the source of righteousness, who is the source of, of peace, of love, he now dwells in me. He is my life. I've got a new heart because Christ lives in my heart. I've got an alive heart because Christ is alive in my heart. That is the new me, Christ in me. And so here is the new potential of every single Christian believer. The old you has gone, and the new potential is this. It is Christ himself. Last question, practically then. So how should we live every day? What does the verse say? How do we live every day? By by faith. No longer should we live based on what we possess in our strength or even in our character or even our wisdom. Do you know what? We are not very good at being like Jesus. We're not very good at being like Jesus. Do you know what? Jesus has no problem being Jesus. And where's he? He lives in us. This is the exciting thing, isn't it? I'm lousy at being like Jesus. But Jesus finds it very easy to be like Jesus. And Jesus lives in me. And the life that I'm called to live is a life where moment by moment... I am trusting Jesus. I live by faith in Jesus. I face the challenges and the struggles and the opportunities of my life by faith in Jesus and what he can do in and through me. It is his resources, his power, his wisdom, his love, his strength. And that is so encouraging because I'm such a feeble person. <laughs> but I don't have to rely on me. I I'm called to rely upon and trust in Christ. Everyday living is by faith. Already sung that hymn, so we won't do it again. And if Christ was here uh, speaking to you now, I, I would say, he'd say, say something like this. Will you trust me moment by moment in your life? If you're, if you're a believer, if you're trusting Christ, then will you actually trust him Tomorrow, will you actually trust him in, in the challenges that feel so difficult? Life can feel quite overwhelming, as we've heard from various people. Will you go into that experience and, and actually stop to trust Christ? Well, the answer could be no. No, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to rush into the day and rush into my conversations, rush into my decisions. And I'm not going to depend on God in prayer. I'm not going to read his word to see what he has to say. I'm just going to rush on through. What's the result of living that way? Well, this is what Jesus says. 
I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do a little bit. Nothing. You can do nothing. Will you trust Christ? Well, if the answer is yes, I'm going to abide in Christ. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and commit the day to him, commit my challenges to him, read his word, let his word shape my mind, and, and seek to let the life of Christ be lived in me then we might discover there's some very surprising fruit that can come in our lives. It's surprising because it isn't us. (laughs) The Christian mother uh, speaking with patience instead of anger. The husband coming home from work where he's so tired and yet he still serves his wife when he gets home. Uh, The friend who chooses to overlook the slight and stay in friendship when in the past they would have just walked away. All of these are evidence of the living Christ, powerfully at work in our lives. Anne Purvis, Nan, um, died at the age of 92. She joined the chapel in 1939 as a 19-year-old. It was quite interesting to read her Uh, her thoughts as a 19 year old I could hear her voice couldn't you hear it Tom as you read it some of the comments so that's that's just Anne or Nan as most of you know her most uh, many people have commented to me that they saw a real difference in Anne's life in the last 10-15 years she complained less she was less critical. She once told me um, that she used to be a terrible gossip, but that she was seeking God's help to change that. So that's in the last three years, right? 89-year-old woman. And I said, well, how did that happen, Anne? She said, so, some, someone rebuked me for being a gossip. And I repented and asked Jesus to change me. And I'm seeking his grace to change. Isn't that great? You can be in your late 80s and early 90s and still have the potential to change. I think the Lord's answering Derek's prayer. He's not a grumpy old man. (laughs) This is the power of Christ in us. Isn't that wonderful? So how are you going to live today. How are you going to live this week? See, the gospel of grace does not promote sin. When we come to Christ by faith, there's a fundamental change. The old sinful, self-living, self-justifying I was crucified and now Christ lives in me. See, the Christian life is not about rule-keeping. It's about a relationship with Christ. And look how committed, as we close, look how committed Christ is to this relationship. See what it says in verse 20? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that incredible? For Paul Reese. 
You wouldn't give much hope for Paul Reese. Son of God loved me. Gave himself for me. And if you're trusting Christ, you can say that for yourself too. He is so committed to this relationship with you. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Let's pray.